What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? This is your co-host, Ridge. We're back. Welcome back, guys. I'm so excited. It's been a long summer break from the Prem, probably about three weeks, and footy is just around the corner. So here we are. We're back. Right. Everything's, um, I, I don't know, everything's just moving thick and fast. So the season ended. Um, Villa stayed up. Liverpool won the title. We didn't really do out of close out of season pod because it was just mixed with so much emotion and kind of so so quickly was on to the next season and then you had Champions League um, and very quickly were just a few weeks away from the start of the season um, and basically what we're going to cover today we're going to cover a little bit of transfer breakdown uh, talk about some of the business that teams are teams are doing right now and give our take on some of it. Um, kind of go through the whole league on that front, talk about some of the off-the-field drama, or I guess outside of the boardroom drama as well, with some, some notable names being tossed around in transfer rumors, as well as just some, some well-publicized incidents. Um, and I think I'm doing trivia, or I'm receiving trivia today, right, Chris? Yeah, I am, um, I'm the one that's going to be questioning you on trivia. You are administering the administer of trivia. Yes. Yes. Um, so we're back in 10 days, I guess, outside of just the obvious games coming back. Anything that particularly you're most excited about with the start of the season? Um, it, we're starting to get more of a feeling that there's going to be fans at games, not at full capacity. So I'm probably most excited about that, to be honest. I've been watching so much sports lately. Um, obviously, I watched all the Premier League. I watched the Champions League. I've been watching golf, NBA bubble. It's been good, um, but... To be able to see fans at a match would be really, really cool. So that's one thing I'm expecting uh, to see, hopefully. And, I mean, outside of that, like, just the fact that there's been such a short break, I'm excited to see new uh, new faces and new places, as always, at the beginning of the season. And it's a fresh start for our teams, um, you know, especially seeing Villa hopefully rebound and play a little bit better this season with all of their new signings. Nobody so far, but uh, we'll see if they make anybody. And <laughs> I don't know. What about you? What are you most excited for? Uh, I'm most excited for on a very selfish like Homer fan front. I, I'm excited and feeling positive about momentum at both Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace, and Aston Villa. I almost combined that to make Crystal Villa. Um, but I'm feeling quite good about where you know the way the clubs are moving so far this summer, despite the lack of business on Villa's end. I do feel good about some of the um, office moves that, that they've made and, and our outlook moving into next season. Uh, same thing with Crystal Palace. So that's very selfishly, just kind of like on the two teams that I support. Um, on a big picture note, I'm excited for the top of the table coming into the season, right? Like Liverpool haven't really strengthened. You can tell City are raring to go with Pep. Um, you see Chelsea strengthening in absurd numbers right now as well. You feel like Arteta's got a good hold on things. Um, it, it's just, it's Mourinho really easy to buy. Spurs. Right, Mourinho's signing United players. with and, a huge push at the end of the season with Bruno. I mean, there's six teams, the big six all, I would say maybe Spurs and Arsenal lagging a little bit, but all of them feel like they have a decent chance at like a, some type of title challenge maybe coming into the season. I don't yeah. think they're expecting to win the title unless you're Liverpool, City, maybe Chelsea, but... Um, all those teams have to feel like they have somewhat of a shot if they get off to a good start. Right, and so it doesn't feel like it's like a two-team league going into the season, which I think it had that feeling last season. Um, Definitely. So, did. I, so I, don't, I don't have that feeling um, at all. And then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, before every season, when the fixtures come out, I do get an email from my old man. Shout out Andrew Ridgeway. Uh, he has a massive spreadsheet that he creates of, of every 
team in England and in Europe that we support, that we have memberships or season tickets to, which is quite a few, um, embarrassingly uh, high amount of clubs. And he makes a spreadsheet on where or when their fixtures are that are released, what might be moved due to TV interest, um, as well as where the games are located. And he tends to highlight ideal weekends for getaway trips. Um, and circling back to what you said that you're excited about is fans back in the stadium. Um, from the old man himself, he predicts December. He thinks fans will be back in, in grounds. Well, um, I hope so. I mean, so, tickets might be a little bit tough to come by. We'll see with the lower capacities. I wanted to, to interject one second because you mentioned how many different clubs you have memberships or tickets to. And um, I'd be remiss if I didn't share one of my favorite jokes from across the pond, uh, a Niall Glenn favorite that um, Andy Ridgway has more clubs than Tiger Woods, which is kind of stupid because all golfers have the same amount of clubs, but uh, they love that one. So if we had a lot of English listeners, I'm sure they're laughing really hard right now. Yeah, it's classic. It's like we, uh, you know, I'm, I, everyone knows, especially listen to Bottom Villa through and through, like um, had season tickets since birth. But, um, you know, the Crystal Palace story of how, I became a Crystal Palace fan, you know, just you know over a decade ago, and then how um, how everybody else seemingly in Southeast Michigan then became a Crystal Palace fan, um, and then you add on some of the other memberships we have at clubs like QPR and um, teams Fulham teams around London, so we can watch championship games and stuff, and it starts to get to be a lot. Like my dad has like a wallet of all the memberships and season tickets. Yeah, but you know? QPR, Loftus Road, Fulham, Craven Cottage, those are fun grounds to go see matches at. So I don't blame you. I've been to both under your dad's membership. So yeah, I've been to both with you. Um, yeah. So I think thinking about uh, all, all the business then that's that's been happening, you know moves in and out of, of the Premier League. Um, I, I, I say in and out, but I a lot of the big moves are actually tw- you know coming into the Premier League. Um, it seems, I, I, I've been reading headlines more than ever. It feels like the allure of Premier League football maybe even has risen a little bit more. I don't know if that's a, fin- there's financial repercussions there because of the, the, the TV deals or just because, you know, it, the league got a ton of publicity you know, during the lockdown, but I do feel like the allure of the Premier League is stronger now than ever, and so you're seeing a lot of movement into the Premier League. So, Chris, like just some some transfers that you've seen early on that you want to highlight or or give like a special shout out to. Um, well, I mean, the first team I wanted to talk about was the team that did the earliest business and probably the, the most of it, which was Chelsea. Um, and I mean, if there's any team that's strengthened, it's them. And we all knew about it months ago that it was happening. So Timo Werner from RB Leipzig, uh, prolific goal scorer, should be a number nine for them up top. And then Hakim Ziyech from Ajax, um, Ben Chilwell from Leicester, Thiago Silva just came in on a free, Malang Sar from Nice. I, I think there's no question that Chelsea have gone head and shoulders above the rest of the top of the table and everywhere in the Prem. And they were a team that also did pretty well last year on a transfer ban under Frank Lampard. So it's his first year with new signings. And I think that, I mean, basically all of those seem smart to me. I, I don't, there's not one that I would uh, think would be a poor signing. And if they could bring in Kai Havertz, who they're linked heavily with and have been for months, that'd probably be their best of the bunch. So I'm excited to see some of this German talent coming over uh, with Werner and Havertz. And I mean... Chelsea was a team that already had a lot of young potential. Mason Mount, Kristen Pulisic after the return, playing excellent. They got guys like Hudson Odoi, who hasn't really had much of a chance to play, but could. I don't know. That's a scary team for me. 
It's a scary team. I, that, I think the word scary is exactly the one I would use. I mean, you throw Timo, Timo Werner up front. That's kind of what they were crying out for last season. I love Tammy Abraham. I, I hope he goes to Aston Villa and, and makes a move for his career because, you know, he th- he's probably second, if not third, in the pecking order there. Um, but they were kind of crying out for, like, a bona fide goal scorer, right? Olivier Giroud is a good player, but they needed a young, a young number nine, kind of like what they did with Drogba. Now, Werner's a very different player, a much more modern striker as opposed to a target man like Drogba was, but he's a fantastic player. Um, very fast, very pacey if people haven't watched him play. Very um, pacey. Germany's, you know, Germany's number nine. So, um, I mean, that's a massive signing. That's, what, uh, you know, 50 million pounds, 55 million pounds. Which is um, a steal in today's market, this craziness. Yeah. Uh, to, get a, to get a proven goal scorer like that from a top league um, at a young age... That's that was a steal. Yeah, and then they go out and get Ben Chilwell, who's a year younger, 23 years old, um, English, English defender. Uh, Chelsea have a history of signing uh, English players at left-back position. I think about Ashley Cole, play held down that left spot next to John Terry. So um, Chilwell was excellent, I thought, for Leicester last season. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned about Chilwell's defensive ability. Like, I've seen Zaha kind of, you know, cruise through him. And um, I'm not, I, honestly, like, I'm not as deep in the Chilwell Kool-Aid as everybody is. Um, but I, I don't think he's, a, like, a bad player. You know, I'm not looking at that 55 million pound signing and I'm like, oh, that's bad business, so, you know? what are your thoughts on Thiago Silva? Um, so my thoughts on Thiago Silva are, are I, I was surprised. Like, when it was like, oh, he's going to Chelsea, like... All the other signings are like, okay, we have, uh, you know, big names or up-and-coming names, right? The Ziyech, Chilwell, Werner all fit like a certain mold, right? They're, um, you know, players who have made their careers uh, abroad or they're younger. Like, they just kind of feel like they're yet to enter into the kind of the, the elite years of their career. But obviously, Thiago Silva is the opposite, right? He's kind of done that. Um, and he's played in Champions League finals. And... Um, for him to come to Chelsea, I thought it was almost interesting when I saw it. I was, everyone's like getting really hyped up about it, but I don't know how good he's going to be at 35, right? And he's been playing in the French League, dominating on the ball for PSG because um, they have almost all the possession every single game. But can he, you know, if, if Mo Salah is running at him or if Sadio Mane is running at him, um, you know, can he defend against some of the Premier League talent? I don't know if he can do that week in and week out. Like, I know he's an elite world-class center back and has been for a long time and when he was around 30 years old and at AC Milan like he was as good as they good as they get but I you know I guess I have doubts over his age and I think but I but I think it's it's a win-win they sign him on a free they get a year out of him uh even if he's old and doesn't play that well and like he doesn't play in a lot throughout the season like he's gonna be a great locker room presence he'll be a good leader to some of their young defenders so I don't think it's a it's a I don't think it's it's a loss I think it's a good signing but I don't think I'm gonna you know hold my hands up and think oh you know Chelsea are going to win the league because they signed Thiago Silva. Like he's not going to be the player who, who does it for him this season. No, but they, I think they needed some uh, organization at the back, and I think that a player like him could provide that if he can keep up. And I mean, sure, you know the French league is not the Premier League, but they were just in the Champions League final. He's made team. I think I saw something that he made team of the season in uh, for the league he's played in every year from like 2010 to 2000 or to 2020. Like 10 straight seasons was in the team of the season for his yeah. league. Like, he's just a very consistent, you know what you're going to get out of him type center back with a lot of knowledge and experience. And Chelsea have been a little bit of a mess defensively. Not really sure who they want to play. So you're right. I mean, he's probably lost a step or two. 
but I agree. I don't think it's um, a very risky signing at this point. Why not? Yeah, I, I, I will say that like he does where I think he'll be useful is against a team like uh, you know, against a team like a Leeds or against a recently promoted team or a, a Villa or a Palace or whoever that Chelsea play where they're going to have a majority of the ball. Silva, Silva looks really good in that team, right? Silva is a, a ball playing, can play a pass like a Mascherano in, in central defensive midfield, but can play center back for you, right? And so he can kind of pick apart a defense from the center back position, which, you know, Kurt Zuma can't do, Tamori can't do. And they don't really have that position. You know, Christensen can't do. They don't really have that that position, right? Yeah, they don't really have that that kind of ball playing, pass splitting ability for at the center back position. And uh, Thiago Silva does that, especially when you press really high up on the pitch and and you know you you pin a team back. You need a oftentimes a linchpin in the midfield if you don't play with a CDM. And um, Chelsea often don't with a you know a four two three one. So. Um, I like that in those games, but I don't think like I uh, inversely. I think when Chelsea needs to defend a little bit more, um, and you know they get run out a little bit against the Liverpools, against the Uniteds, against the Man, you know Man Cities. I don't. I don't think you know. I don't, I don't think he's in the team in those types of games. At least that's how I'd be playing him. You know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I think enough on Chelsea. Although they're obviously exciting to watch, and we'll see what happens with Havertz. Um, one person that left Chelsea, uh, Willian to Arsenal. So Arsenal also just signed Gabriel uh, at center back. And what do you think of their business so far? Do you think they need a lot more? Because, you know, I'll keep in mind they just did play in the Community Shield over the weekend, beat Liverpool in penalties, but still. Um, what do you make of their business thus far? Do you think they need to do a lot more to be competitive? Yeah. Uh... Yes. Um, I, I think the interesting thing about some of Arsenal's signings is it's, it's definitely, they're definitely a profile below Chelsea's business, right? Like when I think about Chelsea's business, it's like, okay, Roman, Roman Abramovich is like done fucking around and finishing behind. Uh, he got that transfer ban. He's pissed about it. He's coming back with a vengeance. He's got free reign because of COVID. The FFP rules are very, very loose if, 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 non-ex- if not non-existent. Um, and so Abramovich is like, all right, fuck this. I got to get Chelsea back to what they were in the early 2000s with Lampard, Terry, and we, we, you know, we got to go win stuff. Um, but you're seeing a very different caliber of player being signed by Arsenal, right? You're seeing much more of a, uh, a Mikel Arteta input. They're, they're fishing into kind of the, the 20 million pound market range is, is about as high as they'll venture. I think they bought uh, Gabriel for like 25 million pounds. 22, I think. Uh, uh, no, you're right. I think it was 25. He's 22 years old. I think I was getting mixed up. But yeah, between 20 right. and 30. And then, and then they signed uh, this on Pablo Mari, they brought him in permanently. Cedric Suarez, they brought in on a, on a free transfer from Southampton, who was on loan. They brought in William on a free. So they're doing kind of frugal business, but I don't think that team that team isn't going to be, you know, for too long they've tried to sign a high-profile player or and bring them in to kind of right the ship, like with Alexis Sanchez and stuff like that. They need a good coach through and through. And need to, their team is, is going to, Arsenal's going to succeed or die based off of how the academy class and how the younger cohort of, of players develops through Arteta, right? The Joe Willocks, um, even Malin Niles, if he, if he stays, um, Bernard Leno being a relatively younger keeper, uh, a lot of these younger players coming through under Arteta's tutelage um, will ultimately be a, the decision on where they finish. Um, they're kind of almost like a year behind Chelsea, right? Like Chelsea last year with the transfer ban, like looking to youth and trying to homegirl a lot of their players. Well, I would say they're kind at of thinking, least a year behind, but yeah. Right, I'm just kind of comparing them to that, that Chelsea team from last season. Right. That makes sense. Um, uh, another recent signing that I don't know if it's been a 100% officially confirmed, but it's basically confirmed everywhere, is Donny Van de Beek to United. 
Um, they haven't done anything else really besides that. But um, do you think he just slots right into their central midfield? See, I don't know actually, and, and I'll hold my hands up and say I I don't know. Vandeby does kind of has like an industrious central attacking midfield feel to him, so he. I'm trying to think. He plays in Bruno's his his natural position is Bruno Fernandez's position, but he, um, but obviously Bruno's there. So it, does he play in the midfield three? Is it Bruno, um, Pogba, and Van de Beek? Is that the, the the midfield three? I don't know because traditionally Van de Beek's played quite far up the pitch there, and then Pogba's forced to stay really far back. And so traditionally they've gone with more of a box to box or box or defensive midfield in the in the three there. So I'm I'm interested by it. I think it's also an intent. Hopefully, if United like. You know, by saying, "Hey, we're going to buy another strong attacking midfielder on." So, you know, if Bruno's not playing as well or not having the best game, maybe Bruno drops a little bit deeper than and Van de Beek goes in there. No, or I think they, they can kind of shuffle it around. But no, I think that Van de Beek would play a little bit more defensive um, than Bruno would. I mean, I think in theory, like United fans with this signing are thinking, "Okay, Pogba next to Van de Beek, Bruno on the top of a, a little trio there in the midfield." But it never really seems to go that way for United. I mean, Pogba rarely makes more than like 20 appearances a season, and I don't know. It just it seems like I always end up seeing McTominay in there or Fred, or um, you know, I don't really know exactly what they'll end up doing. But I do think it makes sense for them to be upgrading in the midfield. And obviously, you know, they've been linked a lot with uh, Jaden Sancho, which doesn't look like that's going to be happening. They're definitely looking for another attacking threat. Also been linked with Jack Grealish, but. What do you think? I mean, I I personally like Mason Greenwood as a, a regular option for them. I like Bruno, obviously, should be playing every match. And then you got Rashford and Martial already. So, I mean, do they really need more attackers, or is it just for depth? What do you think? Yeah, that's a, that's the thing. It's like, if I'm – I don't – I just I, – I mean, I don't see the $40 million that they need to spend on Van de Beek. I think what they need to sign is someone to go next to Maguire. They've, they've invested a lot. I don't, I don't think – I mean, I don't really think McGuire is that it was worth the fee that he did, that he got, and you know, I don't know if he's capable of leading a world class defense, you know, like a Real Madrid esque or, or AC Milan or Inter Milan like s defense that goes and wins a Champions League. But you know, they've invested in him and they've made him captain. So you've got to get somebody to go next to him because Lind- Lindelof for me isn't good enough. And then at, even at the outside back position, they're playing Luke Shaw and, and Brandon uh, uh, and Brandon Mason. They have Juan Bissaka on one side, and so maybe like. Um, but Brandon, not Brandon Mason, Brandon Williams. Williams. And so yeah. m- maybe maybe you put someone on the other side there. You sign you know a really really strong out you know outside back. But I think like that's where those are the two positions that need strengthening. I think the best bit, bit of business they did was they kept uh, Dean. They kept Dean Henderson. They signed him on a five year deal, and now Dean Henderson and David de Gea, which is going to be like the most tightly contested goalkeeper battle for a starting spot that I think we've had in the Premier League in a long, long time. It's like a, a D1 top three school in the country having a quarterback competition in training camp. You know what I mean? I don't I don't really see them benching De Gea, even though I love Dean Henderson. He started, I think, every match for me last season as my starting goalkeeper in my fantasy, fantasy prem lineup. I love Henderson. Um, but I don't know, man. De Gea is too big of a name. I don't think that Sulk Sharp benches him. So I don't I don't see Henderson playing outside of cups at the beginning at least not for this season. Yeah, it, yeah, I, we'll see. I mean, I think Henderson's a better player, so I think until it's, De Gea makes his like fifth mistake of the season, then maybe we'll see. Right, and then maybe De Gea doesn't because there's someone right behind him, you know, and he yeah. he's got someone pushing him for a starting spot. So overall, I think that's good business from them. Um, and then obviously Manchester City brought in uh, Ferran Torres, uh, Nathan Ake, been rumored with. 
uh, Koulibaly, and then another large name. Any 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 opinions on City's business so far? Um, I love Nathan Ake, and they definitely need to upgrade their defense, especially center backs. So I absolutely love that move. I think he'll be uh, a starting center back in the Prem for the next ten years. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I think that that's also up there with one of the best signings of the window. I think Aki's brilliant, and I think he's exactly what they need, where it's like a, a really, really strong defensive-minded first-type center back. I mean, the Otamendis of the world, the Stones of the world, like if they end up running against pressure, it felt like City gives up goals so easily. Um, and I think Ake isn't that type of player. Uh, I think he's a ridiculous athlete, um, can score from set pieces as well. Um, great ball playing defender, but also, but ultimately, like he'll throw his body in front of anything. So I think he's a really, really, really good signing for forty million for him. It's all day. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, I mean, we'll get to the other big name in a minute here. Any other names? I, I actually wanted to mention. I love Matt Doherty signing for Spurs. I think he's been excellent for Wolves. He's not going to blow you off. Or blow up, I don't know. Not going to jump off the charts or jump off the page physically, but like he is just all around very solid. And he's very good going forward for Wolves last season. So I like that. Um, and it, not someone they have to spend an arm and a leg for. But anyone else that stands out you want to mention? Yeah. So, I mean, I really like. Um I, I really like Doherty as well. I think he fits really, really well into Mourinho's system of kind of the outside back. Like if you've watched the All or Nothing documentary, which I know you haven't, and I binge-watched in one session, it's fucking outstanding. It's top-class, gripping television. I might watch it back like two days after I've already watched it. It's that good. Um, but they have this the tactical session where Mourinho talks about Serge Aurier being further up the pitch, um, and he actually talks about Doherty in that show about how he's a – um, a strong player who, who presses really high up the pitch um, and is an offensive wingback. And, so, and then it's funny, they go out and sign him like a few days later. Um, so I think that's a really good signing as well. I think the, the uh, Ben White coming back to Brighton and re-signing a deal. Brighton's done some business and kind of ripping through the league. Like, you know, Burnley haven't really done anything. Um, a couple like really small names who have just come in from different academies across the league. I will give Crystal Palace a shout-out. They've signed uh, Eberichi Eze um, on... Uh, about a 10 million pound, 9 million pound deal from QPR. And he's looked really, really strong in their preseason friendly appearance he's had already. Um, Nathan Ferguson's a young um, defender from West Brom as well. So a good sign of youth intake from Crystal Palace. Um, Everton are about to sign Allen um, from Napoli. And there's someone they're linked with. Yeah, they're linked with Hamas Rodriguez because. It sounds like um, it's almost a done deal. Carl Ancelotti like signs him everywhere he goes. Have you read that? Yeah, it's really interesting, and I mean, it, I don't know. I haven't really heard much about him since the what was it, 2014 World Cup? Yeah, where he went off. I think he won the gold. Yeah. He might have won the Golden Boot that World Cup, but right. um, I mean, I haven't really heard much of him since then. He's just jumped around, and yeah, Ancelotti just keeps buying him, and he's expensive. He's expensive yeah. player. <laughs> it's yeah, not, he's, he's an expensive cheap. player. Right. After that World Cup, he's been an expensive player. Um, he hasn't really done that much at the club level, uh, but he really, really tore apart that that World that Cup. So World it's Cup. A, right. It'll be interesting to see what Everton do. I think everyone's you know waiting to see what does Ancelotti do with a full off season and a full season. Can they manufacture more goals? And it, you know if they sign a player like James, like um, that's a player who can clearly do that for you. Um, you're looking at Fulham, who's kind of doing interesting business. They signed Mario Lamina on loan, who's a big name. Um, Harrison Reed as well, but Mario Lamina is a big name who thought he could, he had outgrown Southampton, said he wanted to, demanded a transfer. They said, okay, bugger off. He went on loan to Galatasaray, and now he's on loan playing for Fulham. So his career is kind of 
you know, gone down. And then Leeds is very interesting because they've signed uh, Rodrigo, um, the striker from Villarreal. Um, no, but, from Valencia. Uh, from Valencia, but, sorry. So the funny thing with... Interchangeable. I know, dude. The funny thing with Rodrigo, so we have uh, some, like, group messages with, you know, Jack, myself, and a couple of our friends that all we just talk about is soccer most of the time. And... Rodri- everyone was saying the same thing like man this Rodrigo signing could be good for Leeds Rodrigo Rodrigo and I was like yeah definitely Rodrigo that could be a good signing and then there's a great account that I recommend everyone follow on Twitter called the other 14 which doesn't talk about the top six it just talks about every other team in the prem and great analysis and stats and stuff and they went and showed Rodrigo's stats from last season and I'm like oh he made 29 appearances and scored four goals and he's 29 years old um, I don't know if I'm thinking of the right Rodrigo. <laughs> and then I start messaging everyone. We're like, yeah, I thought he was better than that. I'm not sure. <laughs> so um, for some reason, that name just like sparks like this energy. I'm like, oh, Rodrigo. Yeah, that guy. That's a goal scorer. But I don't yeah. think he is. So I actually knew who, which I, I knew that this was the, Span- <laughs> the Spanish I mean, Rodrigo. I think I knew which one it was. But everyone, I mean, Valencia, a big club. And it was a record signing for Leeds. It just, yeah, and then, I, and then I saw that he scored four goals. And I was like, uh, I'm not sure. He's very pacey. He's kind of pressing forward. The BLSL likes, uh, and you got to think that knowing that team and the amount of the amount of um, I think it's big chances missed. Um, BCM that Patrick Banford had last season in the championship. They're not going to get through a Premier League season with their striker missing a lot of crucial chances. Like they have to have a very very high conversion rate on the few chances they have. So uh, we'll see if it's a good signing for him. Um, an interesting signing that they went out and spent a good amount of money, and then they they brought Jack Harrison back in from loan from Man City and. You know, that team, again, is going to be defined by how Bielsa's style, you know, is taken in by, by the Premier League. Leicester haven't done any business, which is interesting, um, outside of selling Chilwell. And then Liverpool have only brought in uh, Tissimakis, that, that outside back from um, Olympiacos, uh, which is interesting because their outside backs are arguably two of the best in the league uh, with Robertson and, and Alexander-Arnold. So bringing a little bit of extra cover there. Um, United haven't signed anyone confirmed yet outside of uh, bringing Igalo back on loan. And then Newcastle with some just very Newcastle-esque signings. Um, I've seen a bunch of memes because they were rumored with, you know, a trillion-dollar takeover and being the richest club in, in world football. Um, and then they just signed Jeff Hendrick from Burnley on a free. Um, so, like, <laughs> you've got to feel really underwhelmed if you're a Newcastle fan. You know has what I anyone, mean? Like, has anyone fallen further than a Newcastle fan in the last month and a half. Because, like, the club hasn't really fallen. They're in the same spot they were, but, like, the expectations from the fan base had to have been... I mean, think about if Think about if your club, who had no money, all of a sudden became the richest club in the world and had a big stadium and reputation, and just imagine the possibilities that would go through your brain. Right. Yeah, it's wild. Um, and then, yeah, obviously Spurs. Spurs also picked up Hoiberg from Southampton. So, again, just some kind of proven Premier League-hungry players there. They also got Joe Hart back, um, who's been a free agent. Um, West Brom secured Matias Pereira. And then uh, West Ham signed uh, has signed Suchek, confirmed who they had on loan last season. I think he's a really good signing. Um, but outside of that, like, you that's know, that's pretty, pretty much, much your – that's pretty much your business top to bottom. Um, but we have till October 5th is when the deadline is. So I imagine a lot more will happen between now and then. But, um, yeah, for now, I mean, there's definitely been some movement. But a lot of it was earlier in the window, um, like right, right when it opened. Speaking of uh, early in the window, right when it opened, um, we have Harry Maguire. 
Yeah, um, we don't need to touch on this for too long now that we realize how long we talked about the window, but yikes. Right, right, right when the police station opens, he's apparently getting escorted to, to a, a Greece um, prison or police station. Can you give us like a 30-second Twitter bio of what happened with McGuire and then what his future looks like? Yeah, I mean, well, him and his boys were in Greece on holiday, as they say in England, and they got lit up, I imagine, and got in a fight in the middle of the night outside of a club and got arrested. And then McGuire apparently tried to, like, bribe the cops a bunch and stuff, and it was a lot of, like, do you know who you're arresting type talk. And he ended up um, getting charged, which apparently the courts in Greece take, like, less than two days to have a full trial (laughs) we couldn't believe it we were talking about it because you know normally it's like six months it feels like to even hear anything here i don't know i mean i've never been arrested but it seems like it takes a while and uh so he already got like convicted guilty now he's got like some prison sentence that's delayed like half of the (laughs) players in europe do at this point for tax evasion but his is for assault and uh then he got dropped from the england squad uh and yeah, that's I think that's the Twitter bio. Twitter yeah, that is that is the Twitter bio. Yeah, who knows what actually happened, right? It's it seems like it's like a, a, a cartoon, right? Like he got in a fight. Apparently, either he he his group claims that like his sister was drugged with like a syringe and she passed out, and then they these people who were like fake cops drove into the police station and said you're arrested, like you owe his money, and he was like what's going on, and then they got in a fight. And anyway, there's just a lot of conf- wildly different reports out of McGuire's camp as opposed to the Greek police camp, um, but he's arrested and he was convicted in a greek court and then now is like going through a retrial system so who knows how it works in greece be careful when you're out there don't get arrested especially if you know if you're a big name i don't not that you're listening to the podcast but um be careful uh let's spend five to ten minutes talking about Messi. five to ten minutes talking about Messi. so (sighs) closer to five hopefully with lionel Messi. My understanding and everything that I've read so far has kind of been they lost the Champions League. They, they lost in the Champions League. They got blown the fuck out. Brutal uh, loss. Brutal loss. Embarrassing e- loss. Everybody, everybody is ruthlessly analyzing the fall of Spanish football, right? It's a one-team league. Barcelona's nobody. Messi takes up 50% of their payroll. Messi's 33. Suarez is 33. Rakitic is 32. Busquets is 33 or 34. PK is 34. Um, all these players who've been so good for so long are no longer, uh, you know, they're still good players, but they're no longer capable of just kind of dragging, continuing to, to bring this old core through the, you know, these championships and win trophies. And you're going up against other teams like, you know, Bayern, who has this crazy rotation of all this youthful talent. Yashar Kimmich, Serge Nabry, all these players, Alfonso Davies. So, I mean, they got blown the fuck up. Everyone's saying Barcelona suck, Barcelona suck. And then everybody kind of rises up the ranks and say it's all down to their top-down management. They've invested really poorly in the club. They bought Philip Coutinho for like 80 million pounds. Then he ended up going on loan to Bayern and ended up scoring against Bayern in that game. That was very symbolic. Twice off of kind the of, bench, yeah. Right, very symbolic of like their, their extreme mismanagement. And so everyone kind of, uh, there's protests happening outside of uh, the grounds, um, in Barcelona and people are saying that the president needs to leave. I'm also reading that like the president of football operations originally just want, he came up through the basketball side of the business and like doesn't actually know that much about football. Um, and everyone's demanding that he resigns. So anyway, amongst all of this, um, Messi 
makes uh, apparently behind closed doors tells Barcelona that I want to leave. Right, the club has needs a rebuild phase. It's going to take five to ten years. I'm 33. I'm not going to be a part of that. Like it's my time to go, right? And uh, they don't take to it very well, and uh, say that well, you have a contract. You have a minimum free release cost of 700 million pounds, 700 million euros, which obviously no one's going to pay. He's 33 years old. Um, and so then Messi then appealed to La Liga saying that they need to be able to remove my fee, my, my minimum fee release clause. Um, and then La Liga upheld it and said, you signed the contract. It's what your release clause is. Um, so that is the side that I'm hearing from Barcelona. And then the other side, I'm hearing Messi. And Messi's also saying that he wants to go. So all in all for me, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think if he is going to leave, there's maybe, what, two, three teams he would go to. And most notably, and the, the top of the list by a mile, is Manchester City in England to play for Pep Guardiola again. Yeah. Do you think? I, I also don't think he's going to leave, if I had to pick. If I had to pick one team that I think he's going to end up on next season, I would pick Barcelona. It feels like this happens every year with either Messi or Ronaldo or Neymar. And I don't know. I mean, I do believe that he wants to leave. It does seem like it's an absolute mess at Barcelona right now. Um, but if he does have a $700 million release clause and they really won't let him leave other than otherwise, then I don't think anyone's going to spend that. I, there were reports that City have uh, already agreed to terms with him. There, there's a million insane rumors out here. I heard a rumor right. that Messi has an opt a free opt-out every year every year in his contract or something like that i heard that mm -hmm. there's a 700 million pound release clause i saw something that on twitter today that said that um the president of barcelona like josep bartomeu or whatever his name yeah. is he could potentially go to jail if lionel messi is sold for less than 700 million I'm just like, what the hell? I don't even know what to believe at this point, but it makes me just think that it's all a bunch of BS and that he's just going to stay at Barcelona. But if he does leave, I would think that City are the likeliest team at this point. Um, the only other teams I could even think of that could make sense at all would be like maybe PSG, maybe Inter. Juventus seems like a long shot. I, I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, like I, I said kind of at the beginning, the allure of Premier League football now I think is bigger than ever. And I think that's because of the lot that's been amplified because of Corona, the lockdown, the coverage. Um, and, and, and now what we're seeing in terms of Europe, European performances as well. Um, you know, I think the only place Messi would go, I think is Man City. Like, I mean, if I'm him, that's the only place I would go. Right. Cause you get your, get your hand, try your hand in the Premier League, which you've always wanted, supposedly the best league in the world that you've never played in. And you get to go work for your buddy Pep, who you've already played for and you loved your time for. So for me, that's like the only chance that he goes and City could, you know, City have the financial ability to go and get him. But the thing is, is like everyone's got their knickers in a twist about this whole messy thing. Like he's 33 years old, right? And the, the fee for him and all this stuff is outrageous. You're not going to cover the purchasing of Messi in like in shirt sales. You're just not. It, that's a ridiculous thought. So like you, you're, you're, Really, like the only reason you would buy Messi is if like you're on, you're on the edge of maybe winning a bunch of stuff, and like Messi secures that for you, which you don't know. But like the financial barrier to go and get him and pay him what he wants and bring him away from Barcelona 
at the age of 33, I mean, you've got to look at the business that Chelsea just did, spending about 150 million pounds on three players and think that's probably better business for the long term. Well, I, agree. Club. I agree with that for sure. Um, what, what would happen if Messi refuses to play? See, that's the thing. It's, it's the old People Bosman ruling, which is, yeah, the old Bosman ruling, uh, there's an old court ruling, in, at least in England. I don't know if it's the same in Spain, but if a player says that they absolutely do not want to play for a team and just refuse to show up, they get out of their contract in, I think, six months. So he would get out in January. Um, but then you take like a ridiculous pay cut. Like the rule of the agreement is like you, you don't really get paid because you're a yeah, football player. You're not I'm playing. Saying, right, exactly. But that probably wouldn't happen. So like hypothetically, does he have enough leverage that he, he just holds out and refuses to play that they're just like, we're not going to put up with this anymore. We'll just get rid of you for a lower fee. That seems like yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're Barcelona, I, if you're Barcelona, I don't understand why you wouldn't sell him. Like, every, like, everyone's protesting, saying, oh, Messi wants to leave. Like, you got to keep him. Like, it's upper management fault. Like, if you're upper management, like, get rid. I know it's hard because you've had him for forever since he was, like, 12. But, like, get rid. Liquidate the asset while you can and reinvest in the infrastructure of the, the club, which is so desperately needing a massive intake of youth and, and young 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 talent, you know? Yeah, and if he so, wants to leave, then it's just, like, you kind of got to let him go at this point, I think. Right. Someone's just got to have the balls at Barcelona to face him back, some some – backlash from the fans and do ultimately what Real Madrid did last year, which was let Ronaldo go um, for a big fee. Real Madrid looks like, look like geniuses, you know? Um, they're not dealing with any of this nonsense. They, they got ahead of the whole decline and, you know, they went out and won La Liga. So I think, I don't know, I think, uh, I think if you're Barcelona leadership, you just got to get rid of Messi. I think it's obvious and he wants to go. I don't really know why they want to keep him. I guess it's just fan pressure and like the idea of losing Messi, who is quote unquote the greatest player in the world, you know? At 33, like, is he still that? I don't know. I don't know. I think we're going to get some angry tweets from Alex Zermer, though, one of our most dedicated listeners. Uh, Maybe. Just I love you, Zerm. We definitely didn't talk about Messi with enough respect and honor that he deserves, at least in Alex's <laughs> eyes. Um, but I don't really have anything else to say on it. I'm sure we'll have another update in our next pod if we hear anything more. Um, but, I mean, this is just typical summer rumor clickbait stuff, a lot of it, I think. So, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition. But how about we move on to our uh, trivia? What do you say? Let's rip it. Okay. Let's rip it. So this is going to be our last segment. We're not going to do Predictor because uh, the Predictor hasn't actually started yet. Um, I anticipate that it will be up by our next pod. So we'll get a lead code out on Twitter, Instagram, and then we'll announce it on our next pod. But we'll be doing those picks next week more than likely. Um, for now, we will do our trivia and then sign off. So I'm going to be, again, providing the trivia to Jack. And I thought about it a couple of different ways, Jack. Um, I think... Would you rather, because this one's, you could go either way. Would you rather be timed or would you rather have strikes? Um, I like rapid fire, usually. Okay, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to put you on the clock then. All right, sure. Um, I'm going to give you 90 seconds because I'm feeling generous. And here's what you're going to need to give me. So this is going to be probably our last flashback to the 1920 season when it comes to trivia. But what I want from you is there were nine months of the Premier League season, and each month a Player of the Month award is given out. Now, over the course of this season, we had awards from August through February. Then there was no winner in March, April, or May. And then we had June and July. Nine different months, eight different players won. One player did win twice. 
I want you to name those eight players who won Premier League manager or Player of the Month awards last season. Timer starts now. Wow. Um, okay, Obama Yang. Obama Yang won in September. That's one. Okay, Pulisic. Pulisic, no. Um, let's see. Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy won in October. Uh, Mo Salah. No. Alexander Arnold. Yes, he won in December. Five left. Uh, Sadio Mane. Yes, he won in November. You have September through December. Dean Henderson. No. Um, Danny Ings. No. Uh, Harry Kane. Nope. Son. Nope. Fifty seconds. Um, Jimenez. No. Treore. No. Uh, not Jack Grealish. Man, you're um, lucky you didn't go strikes. J- James Madison. No. Uh, Rashford. Nope. Greenwood Martial. No. Oh no, Bruno Fernandez. Bruno Fernandez. Yes, he won twice in February and June. You have thirty seconds. Uh, Raheem Sterling. Years. No. Uh, Aguero. Yes, he was in January. You're missing the first month, August, and the last month, July. Two names um, left. Twenty seconds. Saint Maximin. Nope. Uh, who ended the season well? Shit. Green. Not Greenwood. Um, oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, Snow. one. Lock time. I don't know. No. Wow. Well, you got the easy ones. The two tricky ones you did not get. Um, I can't believe it took you that long to get Bruno. Easy. Yeah, got it. You got him, but you were going. You, I mean, you said Jimenez, Traore, Dean Henderson. You said Dean Henderson Bruno. confidently, actually. You like were pretty. I, yeah, sure I felt good about that one. I for some reason I thought he won. I I have a picture okay. in my head of. I think you want right. to like. I'm gonna go in order. Win? I'm gonna go in order. Calendar calendar year. So August 2019. Do you want a hint? Do you have any other guesses? It was someone who started started really hot. And they were definitely not in contention for that award the rest of the season. They started really hot. Um, I'm trying to think of teams that like, started the season on this, fire. This guy got picked up by everybody in Fantasy Prem after the first or second week. What, John Lundstrom? No. Um, he scored five goals. He scored five goals in the first month? Yes. Who, Tammy? No. Um, I don't his, know, Chris. His team did not do well. They did really poorly, actually. They got relegated? What, Hilaire? Yeah. Timo Puki. Timo Puki, no! <laughs> Timo Puki. All right. Damn, I'm an idiot. I should have gotten Timo Puki? You should have gotten he won, player th- he won player of the month in the first month? Yeah, he had five goals. <laughs> That's wild. Great. They got off to a hot start. Um, March. RIP. Yeah, all right. August 2019. Yeah, we'll never talk about them again. Um, September, Obama Yang got that. October, Vardy got that. November, Mane got that. December, Alexander Arnold got that. January, Aguero got that. He actually, that was his seventh player of the month award, the current Premier League record. Six oh, goals legend. and one assist in three appearances. Um, February, Bruno. June, Bruno. July, I thought you would get this one. I thought I had it with Pulisic. For some reason, I thought it was him. It, yeah, I, it's, I gave this to my roommates, Andrew and Brady, earlier, and Andrew guessed Pulisic. But he did not get that right, obviously. They couldn't get this one either. Eight goals. Eight goals and one assist in the month of July. Damn, I was thinking about Greenwood. The most informed player in the Prem by far at the end of the season. 
most informed player in the Prem by far at the end of the season. Yeah, and his, you're going to know his, it right when you hear it. And his team... He got it. His, his, his team stayed up. Right. Um, oh, Mikel Antonio. Mikel Antonio, eight goals, one assist. Wow, oh, Mikel, what a dog. I respect that. Yeah, good job, Mikel. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, a good wrap on that season as we look forward to a new campaign here. But that's all I got for you, Ridge. I don't know if you got anything else. No, that's it. I think we'll we'll drop the predictor code and app once the site gets ready. Like, ultimately, the game start in, what, 10 days? Yeah, plan is to do a little preview pod next week, so be on the lookout for that. And right. that's about it for right now. Yeah, just goes to show. Thanks Everybody's for listening, guys. Everybody's human. Yep, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks.